book of Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter number 22, Matthew chapter number 22, and we thank the Lord for another opportunity uh, to open His Word this morning and to uh, see what He has for us in Matthew chapter number 22, and I'm going to bring a message that I think will deal with something that's very important uh, for you and I as a child of God to consider and be reminded of. Uh, nothing new will be presented today, but certainly uh, something that uh, we need to give attention to. As uh, I've already spent some time in Sunday school and in the announcements this morning, uh, speaking of our Diligent Heart campaign, this focus uh, after today, the next seven Sundays, of putting a focus on our heart. And for the Christian, guarding our heart, making sure our heart is what it should be. And we're reminded, and we're going to be reminded today from the Scripture, of the importance of the heart in dealing with the heart. Uh, most issues, if not all issues, that a Christian has are heart issues. And uh, even when things, external circumstances we deal with, there's a proper way that a child of God should uh, deal with them, and certainly we're able to deal with them if we uh, approach the matter in, in the proper way. So let's look at Matthew chapter number 22, and uh, we'll read our text from Matthew 22, but uh, during the message this morning, just to let you know, keep your Bible handy, we'll be looking at the book of Deuteronomy and also the book of Romans this morning, uh, but we'll begin in Matthew chapter number 22 in verse number 34, Matthew 22, <coughs> in verse number 34. Follow along as I read, if you would. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I want to use this fairly familiar passage of Scripture this morning, and I want to preach on this subject. The heart is the key to pleasing God. Do you want to please God? I believe you want to please God. I believe that's why... You made the effort to be in the house of God this morning. I certainly want to please God. And so we're reminded this morning from our, our text and our message today that the heart is the key to pleasing God. Father, I pray this morning uh, that Christ would be honored and magnified by the message today. Uh, may your word be uh, the focus this morning. May the Spirit of God uh, visit with us. May the Spirit of God speak to us. Father, may you use me as an instrument in your hand. May uh, the focus be on what you have for us today. Father, I pray that each one of us will uh, do a inventory of our own life. May we think back to that time uh, when we have put our faith and trust in Christ and what he did on Calvary. And uh, we uh, <coughs> accepted Christ as our payment of salvation. Uh, may we think back to a time when we have surrendered uh, our hearts, surrendered our life, uh, everything that we have and are to you and so that we might serve you and please you in a greater way. And may we be reminded of this today. Uh, may your work be done. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a very interesting passage of Scripture as the Lord responds to the Pharisees. It's very important uh, this morning, I believe, to understand the context. Uh, the Pharisees, as verse 34 tells us, has heard that Jesus had put the silence to Sadducees. The Sadducees begin to question Jesus, and Jesus, of course, 
uh, answered them and uh, in a way that they could not respond. Now, the Pharisees, they had their beliefs. The Sadducees, of course, denied the resurrection, and so they were competing religious factions against one another. So certainly the Pharisees would be excited uh, that Jesus had rebuked and left speechless, if you will, the Sadducees, but they didn't learn from that, so now they were going to pose their own question to the Lord. Scripture uses the word in, verse, in, in Matthew, a lawyer asking him. Now, it's important to understand that this lawyer is not one that would practice law like in the day today. He was an expert in the law of Moses. Uh, he would have been a, um, a scribe. Uh, in the modern day term, we would refer to him as a theologian. Uh, and I'll use this term loosely, an expert, if you will, on what the law of Moses was written, the, the scripture. Uh, in, the, in what he was doing, he was asking Jesus a question, not just to get a simple answer. He was asking Jesus a question with the hope of drawing the Lord into a debate or an argument. Now, I'll just enter a side note here that doesn't really go with the message, but in the day of internet debates today, it's good for us to follow the example of the Lord. The Lord would not allow himself to be drawn into a debate. The scripture has been given. The scripture has <coughs> been, been spoken. And so it was an attempt to draw him in. Now, it's, under, it's important to understand, when we refer to the law, we're talking about the law of Moses. <coughs> Excuse me. In the minds of the Pharisees, the greatest commandment was a debate. Now, the Lord establishes what the greatest commandment was and reminds them what God has already said. But in the minds of this religious group, they had set themselves up as the authority. They decided in their mind what the greatest commandment was. In the mind of the Pharisees, this commandment was a debate. <coughs> they were trying to determine. They were trying to draw the Lord in to this debate with them. Uh, what they had done is they had taken all of the commandments, all of the law of Moses, and they had divided into categories in their mind what was major, what was minor, what was greater, what was lesser. Whatever command in the law that they determined was major was the one that they would put the priority of obeying. If they determined that it was minor, they didn't put as much emphasis on that command. <coughs> Excuse me. And so uh, they had decided, and they would argue amongst themselves, what is major, what is minor. So now they wanted to draw the Lord in to give his opinion on what was greater or lesser. Keep in mind that they did not accept Jesus as who he said he was. They did not accept him <coughs> as the Son of God. They did not accept him as the Messiah. So they wanted to hear what his view was of what was major, what was minor. See, in their minds, this is what determined their righteousness. If I determine that these laws are the most important, and then I keep them, then that is my righteousness. And they had set themselves up as the authority of which law was greatest. And it's just like religion today. Religion establishes itself 
as the moral authority, as the authority. If you keep these religious things, uh, then, then therefore you are righteous. Another religion says if you keep these tenets that we have established, then you are more righteous. You and I know that it is Jesus in whom we find righteousness, but religion has set and established what they have established as the major uh, commandments, if you will. They were the ones who had determined they had established themselves as the authority of whose <coughs> law was the greatest. Those who would obey the <coughs> those commandments that they established as the, ma the major, they would determine the more righteous than those who did not. This, as I've already mentioned, is similar to how many people think today. Uh, the religious crowd. Sadly, even amongst born-again Christians, there are things that we determine as more important to keep as other things. And we have to be careful that in our own minds, we have not set up the things that we abide by as major and the things that we don't abide by as minor. And we all have a tendency to do that. But the Lord is, is, establishes in this passage of Scripture what the most important commandment is. And we have to be very careful as sometimes we become pharisaical in our own minds because we will look at others and say, well, they are not keeping, and I'll use the word commandments that I keep, that I think that, they, that I've put a premium on. And let's just get right to it. Every commandment of God is important. Every law of his is important. And it's important that we keep them. <clears throat> Jesus's answer is the key. Because if we haven't figured this out in this day we live in, man has an opinion. And in the day of social media, everybody shares their opinion. And we, man has an opinion, and what man has established, and I'll use the illustration again, if this religion has established these things, and this religion has established these things, and this is what we have established as righteousness, what is key and what is important for you and I to be reminded is what Jesus' answer was. It was the answer for the theologian of that day, and it is certainly the answer for the theologian or the Christian of this day. Now let's look at what he said in this passage of Scripture. I'll break this into an outline this morning. And first we, we look at the greatest commandment. As this lawyer, this expert in the law of Moses, begins to tries to draw the Lord into a debate, draws the Lord into an argument. And there is no debating with the truth. There is no debating with God himself. He is the, the standard of what is right and wrong. But the Lord just answers, and he tells him what the greatest commandment is. We see it in verse number 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. It, he gets right to the crux of the matter. He gets right to the point, and he says the greatest commandment is this. Now, bear in mind that these theologians, these professional, uh, professionals in their religion... They were ready for a debate to debate which thou shalt not was greater than the other thou shalt not. But Jesus comes and establishes the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Now don't miss this. He says, love 
thy God with all thy heart. It begins with the heart. He says, all thy heart, all thy soul, and with all thy mind. The heart, as we saw in Sunday school, is out of the issues of the, out of the heart, all issues flow. It is the heart that is important. The soul is everything that is within thee, the mind, that my thoughts that, 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 that push me towards that. But don't miss this, the heart is the key. Because if the heart is in the right place, the soul and the mind will follow. We've heard the illustration, uh, well, his heart is just not in it. His heart is just not all in, meaning that he's not putting forth the effort. His thoughts aren't where they should be. And we'll use that illustration, and it certainly <clears throat> sums up uh, what is being spoken here. The heart is the key, because if God has my whole heart, if I am completely surrendered to him, then everything about me is right behind it. My thoughts are generated towards him. My actions are generated towards him. And the Lord reminds them that the priority is not a thou shalt not. Those are important. But the priority is that God has my whole heart. That God has all of my affection. That God has my complete surrender towards Him because everything else will follow. You cannot love Him as you should without complete surrender to Him. Uh, if you, those of you that have been married any length of time, you know that you need to love your spouse with your whole heart. Uh, it, it, that's what it takes. Everything else follows. It's a complete surrender. When it comes to the things of God, we have a tendency to hold back, and it comes down to a place, does God have my whole heart? You do not <coughs> love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, if you do not obey Him. Now, many times as Christians, we have a hard time when we hear that. How dare you tell me who I love and I don't love? How dare you say I don't love him? If I know there's some things I should be obeying him on, but how dare... Now, I did not say that. This preacher did not say that. Jesus said that. He said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. Now, how can I show God? Aren't you thankful for what God's done for you? God gave us life. He didn't have to give us life. And by the way, we didn't evolve. God is the giver of life. He gave us life. What a wonderful thought that the God of heavens who placed every star in the sky and knows the name. Think about this. You look on those clear nights and you see all those millions of stars and stars we cannot even see. God named every one of them. He knows their name. He placed them where they are. That God, the almighty God chose me to give me a life, and he designed a life for me and for you. What a God, what a gift. Then God knowing our sin nature and God knowing that we could not redeem ourselves, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and the fact that Jesus would leave heaven to come and pay for my sins and to pay for your sins and that he would, he would conquer death and hell forever so that any man can be saved. What a, what a wonderful thing to be reminded of. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who cares for us. We have a God who provides for us and meets our needs. How can I ever repay what God has done for me? I can't truly reciprocate the kind of love that God has shown for me. But how do I show my love? I obey His commandments. 
In order to obey His commandments, He's got to have my heart. Let's be honest. I'll be honest with you this morning. There's times I read God's Word, and it just doesn't sit right with me. I'll say it like this, it rubs me the wrong way. It makes me feel bad about myself. That goes against some of the philosophy, religious philosophy here today. Sometimes the Bible makes me feel bad about myself. So how do I start feeling good about myself? I make the changes in my life that need to be made so that I can feel good about what I'm doing. Where does that come from? It comes from the heart. Uh, there are things that I've been married for 26 and a half years. And I hope you won't think less of me when I confess this. There are things that I do that my wife asks me, I don't want to do it. After 26 years, you would think that the trash could take itself out. But it don't. That trash can is. There are times she asks me, do you, want, do you want to do this? You want to go, you want to go here? Or do you, do you want to go, I'm going to go to this store. Do you want to go with me? And, and I say, sure, I'll go with you. And ladies, please don't do this. Thankfully, it's been a long, long time. Well, I want you to want to go. That's not possible. <laughs> it's not possible. I want to be with you. I want to please you. But I've never woken up and said, let's go to Walmart. Let's do it. <laughs> it's not happening. There are things that I do, and I do them for one simple reason. I love her. That's the only reason. I love her. There are things that I want to say. There are things that I can feel my blood, but I love her. I don't want to, I, I don't want to do that. That's a simple illustration that really ought to simplify our life for us. Oh, we have a flesh that doesn't want to do everything God asks us to do. But why do we do it? We ought to do it because we love Him. We ought to do it because it's a way that we can show Him that we love Him. All of us could testify this morning, there are things that we do that goes against the way we feel, the way we think, but we know that it pleases God. We know that it honors God. We know that it's a way we can show we love Him. So the greatest commandment is to love Him with all our heart. We have to make uh, Him the, 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 the authority by those commands. And sometimes we can't, well, Christian, we can't make this mistake as the Pharisees did. Well, I don't see the importance of that, so therefore I'm going to, this is a great command, this is a minor command. No, if the Lord has commanded us to do it, we should do it. Uh, that, is, that is, because the greatest command is, He has my heart. And so if He has my heart, my soul and my mind, everything that is in me is going to follow. There's a lot of people today, and they're sincere when they say it. Maybe there's some in this room this morning, and all of us at some point have probably been there. I, you were sincere, and I want to please God. I want to show God I love Him. Well, our, our heart has got, if, our, if He has our heart, then everything about us is going to follow, to follow through. Uh, be, being the kind of Christian that we should be that pleases God is more than just knowing what we should do. Parents, our children know they ought to clean their room, but we still have to tell them from time to time. Or we have to tell them all the time. Uh, they know what we know, things that we're supposed to do, but we have to be reminded. That is the thing when it comes to the Word of God, the commands of God. If He has our heart, 
everything else is going to follow. <clears throat> I want us to expound on that greatest commandment with number two, and I've just simply entitled this point, The Missed Point. Hold your spot here in Matthew 22 and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter number six. It's important that we, we get the, <coughs> the context of what Jesus is saying. What he says to them in Matthew 22 is a direct quote from the law of Moses. So he did not go outside of the law of God, the law of Moses. He gave the foundational truth of the law by quoting the law. And we can see from Deuteronomy 6 how religion today and these religious theologians had missed the whole point of what God had said in the law of Moses. Deuteronomy chapter number 6, look at me at verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There's only one God. And I know we're, we're in a day, and I'm glad we have freedom uh, to, 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 to worship as we desire to worship in our nation. We ought to have that freedom as an American today, but that does not change the fact that there is only one God, and He is Jehovah God. And they're reminded of this in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Hopefully that sounds familiar. Let's keep reading verse 6. In these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. What words? What, what God just said in verse number 5. In, in, in verse number 7 now. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when, <coughs> when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and <coughs> they shall be as frontless between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. We have the, the important admonition in verse number 7. <coughs> God's people had the admonition that the laws that I give you, it's important that you teach them to the next generation. It's important that you teach them to your own children. And let me just remind every parent in the room, it's our responsibility to teach our own children the truths of God's Word. And I'm thankful that we have a church. I'm the pastor of this church, but I'm also a parent. I'm thankful that the program of this church, the ministry of this church, those that are involved in helping this church help me, not just as a pastor, but as a parent, reinforce and teach the Word of God. But they miss a, a very important point here. Jesus quotes the law as was written in Deuteronomy chapter number 6. <clears throat> but the Pharisees had taken the law and these other commandments and, giving, and given them the, the priority without setting the great commandment. The great commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. You get that established. Every other commandment falls into place where it should. But they had missed this. <clears throat> when we were in, some of us were able to go to Israel two years ago this month. <clears throat> There's a lot of things that you've read in the Bible, you read in the Bible, and then you see them in front of your eyes when you're there. One thing that stuck out in my mind as soon as we <clears throat> landed <clears throat> at the airport, we, it was dark when we landed, and we, so we loaded up and we got to the hotel. And going down the hotel <clears throat> um, hallway, some of the doors had a box on the outside of the door in the door frame. On the airplane over, you would see some Pharisees. Uh, they, they, they are, they're those Orthodox Jews. They would, 
They would have the, 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 the boxes on their, on, their, on their wrists. They would have the phylacteries on their forehead, and the rolls of Scripture would be in those little boxes. You read what that is, but then seeing it's a whole different situation. You look at verse number 9, And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. This was a hotel, but certainly they had accommodated for those Orthodox Jews, those that still held the law, so that when they went into a hotel room, they could put their little roll of scriptures on the door, the doorpost, while they were staying there, because that was supposed to protect them. As I see this, of course, my mind goes back to the things that you read in Scripture, but how it applies to us today as we look at Jesus rebuking those Pharisees, they had gotten that part, and they still practice that today. They still wear the phylacteries on their head. They still wear them on their wrists. They still have these little boxes on the outside of their doors where they put written scriptures in. But yet here they are deciding what commands are the greatest, what commands are not the greatest. They've rejected Jesus as the the Son of God and trying to draw him into a debate. What the Lord is reminding him, and when he quotes this, is, guys, you've missed the point. If you establish God and love Him with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, everything, there is no need to discuss what is major, what is minor. Because you understand that in order to please Him, He has my whole heart. I want to please Him in every way that's possible. And so you and I have to be careful that we don't fall into that same trap. Jesus knew that they had missed the point. They had missed the command, the greatest command, and that is to love God with your whole heart. What have they done? They have set themselves up as the moral authority. I believe with my whole heart that God's people ought ought to live righteously. I believe that we ought to live clean lives. I believe that because, one, it saves us. From, from destruction. It saves us from heartache. It saves us from the, 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 the results of sin. But I believe God's people are separate people. I know it's 2022 and this is foreign and there's probably not a lot of churches you'll hear this in, uh, but there are still some things that Christians should not do. What are those? God's established those laws. The Baptist church hasn't established them. God has. And you and I have to be very careful. Now, what I'm saying is I believe that every command God has made is important. I believe we should live clean. I believe the vices of this world will harm us, create scars in our lives, and rob our children of the futures that they could have. I believe that. But my point this morning, I believe, is what the the Lord is making in our passage is The priority has got to stay on, I want to love God with my whole heart, more so than establishing all of these other things that, quite frankly, we should live by. But let's be honest, in this big of a crowd, with this many different backgrounds, there's some in here who are going to put a different emphasis than than others would put on some of these commands. Now, not to say we don't all think they're important, but what I'm saying is if we keep God as our focus... I want God to have my whole heart. Then whatever comes my way, there's a command that I should obey. Let's be be quite honest. I grew up in in a pastor's home. Some of you may have grown up in a drunkard's home. You were exposed to things I was not exposed to. 
There might be some things that you were involved in. I, I was fortunate. I'm thankful I was saved as a child. I, I thank God for that. In every parent in here, if you have small children, you have an opportunity for your children perhaps to grow up in a way that you did not have the privilege to grow up. Well, you ought, you ought, you ought to take that opportunity. But, but there's some, what, what, what am I trying to say? There are some things that some may have been involved in because they got saved later in life that I've never got exposed to. So there are some things that, yes, I'm going to stay away from, but there are some things clean. But if we keep our focus and God has my heart, he's going to have all these other things. They miss the point. They have their scriptures they put on their head. They have the scriptures that they would put on their doors. But yet they had set themselves up determining what is great, what is not. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You should be simply, the Bible is simply saying, Jesus is simply saying, you put the neighbor before you. Who is your neighbor? It's your fellow man. It's not just the person that lives to the right of you, the left of you, above you, below you. It's your fellow man. It's everybody we come in contact with. That's our neighbor. We are to put them before us. God is first. Everybody else is second. So, well, Pastor, where do I rank? Way down the list after that. And what is the truth, and if we've lived this way, we know real joy as a child of God comes from living to please God and then living to help others. And if our relationship is right with God, it will enable us to be a greater help to other people. Sadly, many times people get this backwards. They, they want to help everybody. That's a good thing they want to do. But without truly having the right picture of God and having our focus on God, we don't have the ability to put our neighbor. And by the way, your neighbor is that person that cuts you off in traffic too. Your neighbor is the person who is gossiping about you at work too. Your neighbor is everybody you come in contact with. And we're supposed to put our neighbor... They want to debate... This thou shalt not, this thou shalt not. And Jesus said, you missed the point. You don't even love God with your whole heart. You don't even put your neighbor before yourself. This is the law. Let me just read very quickly from the book of uh, uh, Romans very, very quickly. Um, I've missed my outline here. Romans chapter 13, verse number 8 through 10. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And I'll just stop reading right there. He's talking about loving. It goes on to, to, to thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou, thou shalt not bear false witness. Love worketh no ill. But verse 8 says, owe no man anything. That's not just talking about you have to use cash. You shouldn't have any debt. I don't believe it's talking about that at all. I believe it's saying you're not indebted to somebody else. What does that mean? It means I don't owe another man forgiveness because if they need a forgiveness, I've given it to them. I don't owe anybody reconciliation because I've done everything on my part to have every relationship reconciled. Now, they may not reciprocate, but I've done everything I have. Is there a way that I could help when I should have helped? That's not being in debt to somebody else. That's, that's the second commandment, putting everybody, <coughs> put your neighbor before you. Don't owe any man forgiveness because you've granted it. But when they ask for it, I'll give it to them. That's not the Bible way. The Bible way is to grant it whether they ask for it or not. 
Well, they don't deserve it. We didn't deserve Christ's forgiveness. And he's our standard, so we should give it. That is putting your neighbor before yourself. Why do we think that we can please and serve our neighbor when we have not surrendered to our God? Again, you may think less of me when I say this. There's some people that are hard to like and hard to love. That's one reason why I have warned you with this, this heightened political state. Conservative, liberal, and certainly, I say this, I'm a Christian. I'm not a conservative. I have Christian principles. I don't have conservative principles. And if some of those line up, then so be it. They line up. But one side, no matter which side you're on, trains you to hate the other side. That's not what this Bible says. Now, I may not line up with you, and there are some lines I will draw in a line as an American, as a Christian, as a pastor, and I'm not, I'm not budging. But at the same time, I'm supposed to have love in my heart. Uh, how are we with, with our neighbor? How are we, we think, well, that's that person. I just can't stand him. That's fine, but you're still supposed to put them before you. Let's, can, we, can we be honest this morning? Most of the time, we try and put ourselves above everybody else. Pastor, that's just the way I'm wired. No, it's called fallen man's sinful nature. We're all wired that way. But the point is, if I love God with my whole heart, then I can put my neighbor for myself. And then I'll just mention the last truth we find in verse number 40 on these two commandments, saying all the law and the prophets. After the first two commandments, the rest take care of themselves. Can I give you some good counsel this morning? Quit focusing on all the commandments until you get the one settled that you love God with your whole heart. Somebody trusts Christ, they've, they've, they're a new creature, the Bible tells us. It's a whole new world opens up to them. They don't, they don't know. It's not when you, remember when you got saved, when you got saved, it's not like you got a computer download of the Bible in your head. And you knew everything to do and not do. No, no, no. You knew every way to please God and not. No, no, this it didn't happen. We grow as a child of God. My focus as a pastor, when somebody gets saved or they get exposed to the truths of Scripture in a real way for the first time, is just to emphasize to them to give their heart to God. Because if God has their heart, all the other commandments will follow right in place. I go back to the illustration that there's things my wife asked me to do that I do not want to do, but I do it because she has my heart. There are things that God has required of me, and I have not wanted to do them. But ultimately, and to God be the glory, He has my heart. There are series, a diligent heart series. We must diligently guard our heart. But with this morning's message, quit focusing on all of those things and give God everything you have. Give Him your heart. Because if He has your heart, your soul, and your mind will follow can I also say to us, we must stop setting ourselves up as the moral authority in deciding which can't, can't commandment in my mind is a major and a minor. We all do that. Pastor, I know you're making a big deal about that, but I just don't see the big deal. Have you ever thought that way? We, we all think in those terms because it applies differently to me or quite frankly, I don't want to do that. If God has our heart, then we're not... 
We don't have the right to set ourselves up as the moral authority. We're fallen man. I must, and it comes with salvation first. When as a child, I realized my need of a Savior, I realized that without Christ, I could do nothing to get forgiveness of my sins. And I look to Christ and what He did on Calvary, His death, His burial, His resurrection. I look to Him and I put my faith and trust in what Jesus did. I gave God my heart through the applied blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But after my, my salvation, there's had to be many times in my life when I've surrendered my heart. Meaning I want to live in a way, God, that pleases you, that honors you. I don't know if anybody else has ever been there, but have you ever had plans and dreams and they're not necessarily wrong or sinful or, or, or bad, but God just has something different. What does it come down to? What does it come down to? It comes down to, does God have our heart? Now let's just be honest this morning. There's sometimes there's things, and, and I remind you of this often. I remind you again this morning. Don't compare yourself to this sinful world. This is, a, this is a dark world we live in. It doesn't take much from a moral standpoint to be better than this dark world. It doesn't take much at all. But be careful setting yourself up as, hey, I'm better than the lost. I'm better than this world. I'm better than that segment of society that's not the standard. That's us setting ourselves up as the moral authority, this commandment and that commandment. But Christ has said, God must have our heart, then others, then all those other commandments will fall into place. As a child of God, if your life's not what it should be, Jesus has given the answer. God's got to have a surrendered heart. He's got to have it all. What is it that you're struggling with in your Christian life? Maybe it's a habit you should get rid of. You know it, but you justify it. Maybe it's a habit that you should have incorporated. You, you know it, but you haven't quite got there yet. How do I fix all that, Pastor? How, do, how, how, do, how, does the, how does the church fix me? The church can't fix you. Pastor, how do, how do you fix me? Look around. From the looks of it, Pastor can't fix anybody. It's not that way. It's, I have to give God my heart. When He has my heart, He fixes everything. There are things I love, and, I, and I'm going to pray in just a moment, talking to our church family and watching how they've grown since they've trusted Christ. And somehow in the conversation, it always comes to a point where they, they say in some effect, I can't believe that I'm doing these, some of these things that, that I'm doing now for God. I can't believe that I'm not doing things that I used to do every single... Say, Pastor, how did you get them to stop? I didn't. How did you get them to change? I didn't. How, what, what happened in their life? It's simple. They gave God their heart. And then God began to work in their life. Then all the other commands fall in place. Child of God, quit looking at the commands. Well, I don't think I could do that, or I don't think I want to do that. Just give God your heart. If he's got your heart, everything else will take place. If you're wondering about where you spend eternity, you need to give God your heart. You need to look to him for salvation. Look to him for forgiveness of your sins. Hey, what, what am I going to do? Am I pleading? Give him your heart. Pastor, there's so many opinions. 
So many opinions about what's right, wrong. Give God your heart. Everything else will fall into place. Father, I pray this morning that you use your word. May the Spirit of God continue to work.